A welcome return to Baku for Perez, while late drama changes everything on the top steps of the podium. Welcome to the A Racing Podcast. My name is Adam, alongside me is Mitch. And Mitch, what a fun race at Azerbaijan. Holy, holy Toledo. I mean, if you ever thought that this season could get more exciting, or couldn't get any more exciting than it has been already, you're wrong. That was thrilling as heck. Yeah, it was a bit quiet to start, kind of picked up mid-race, and then at the end, just absolute chaos, a great two-lap shootout to the end. Uh, Sergio Perez ends up winning after Max Verstappen's tire explodes down the front stretch with only a few laps to go, and it really kind of set the stage for something I don't think we've ever seen in Formula 1, a two-lap shootout to the end. No, exactly. And uh, I mean, for those of you who don't know, there is a few options what F1 could have done in this scenario. When you red flag a race, you can, when if you're over 75% distance, you can just call the race and it's over. They could have kept the safety car out and just ended the race under safety car. That's another option. Or there's the option that they did, which happened on Sunday, where you set the grid again, you get a restart. Everyone who was watching that race on Sunday, when they saw Hamilton, well, I mean, first of all, you see his brakes just looking like they're steaming, like fresh pot of boiling water on a Sunday. And then he locks up into turn one, and, I mean, I think he, like they mentioned on the broadcast, did I use the magic? That's what he said. Which, they have a magic button on the back that allows the brake bias to basically fly all the way forward to the front brakes and that allows them to really get heat into the front tires before they start the race. I don't think it's just Mercedes that has this. I think it's multiple teams that have this magic. I know Mercedes has openly talked about this for years. This isn't like this is something new but they said that essentially he pushed that button on mistake during one of his upshifts uh, on that restart and then I mean really you playing the F1 game Adam and I have talked about lots you do play with that brake bias a lot in order to be able to brake sufficiently to make a corner and for him to essentially shut off his back brakes and just rely on the front that's what you saw why you saw him cook it and just slide right through turn one but I mean again part of me and the rest of the F1 world like Mark Webber was like Woohoo! <laughs> a Lewis Hamilton mistake. This never happens. Yeah, it was a, a big moment for him. Uh, he's sitting in a situation where he could get a big points lead because Verstappen has crashed out of the race. You get to the restart, and I, I, it was so weird. Like, you never see a move like that for Lewis. Basically, what happened was, yeah, as you were saying with the, with the brake bias, it kind of moved well up to the front, and it's just too much brake pressure. And we, we know that Mercedes has had issues before with heating tires. I think that's why they use that magic button, because it heats up the brakes, which then would heat up the tires. That's why they were smoking so much. Yeah, it was just because he had the position on Paris. He had a jump into turn one, and you're like, okay, here we go. Hamilton's going to take the lead and win the race, and Verstappen's going to lose his mind. But then it was like, wait, where did he go? <laughs> what? Yeah, exactly. And for, you know, Hamilton in that situation, again, 
like hindsight's twenty twenty, and you can only speculate so much as to what would have happened. But it's like with Baku being such a tight circuit, and you saw the battling that Pierre Gasly and Charles Leclerc had in the heading on to the last lap of the race down the start finish straight, is that even if Hamilton took the lead on that first corner. I mean, first of all, his line was very compromised because Sergio did a good job of ensuring he pushed him as far left as he could before Sergio returned to the kind of optimal line to take turn one. But throughout the whole race, we had seen the Mercedes lose a tenth through sector one, and then in that twisty section of sector two, like there was times that I would be watching... Lewis chased down Sergio throughout the race to try to regain second, and Lewis would be like one second back. He would have just had DRS on the first two long straights of the lap, but then through that middle sector, he would go from like 0.9 to one second behind Checo to 1.3, 1.4 seconds. So Red Bull was making up basically a half a second through that sector. So even if Lewis took the lead, I don't think he would have been able to hold on to it. Because again, you know, that even if he had a good run through those first few turns, Checo would have caught up, gotten in DRS through the middle sector where Red Bull has been was really good on Sunday. And then when you come down to sector three in that long two point whatever kilometer straight to the start finish line, like I think Checo would have passed him anyway. So it's hard for us to say if Lewis would have actually won that race. I mean, knowing Lewis and how he races, sure. But uh, I guess for Lewis, like he said it in the red flag stoppage, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And then totally counteracted his words on the restart. Yeah. What's really surprising as well is even if he doesn't win the race, he's picking up 18 points, I think, for second, which moves him to the lead of the championship because, again, it's not like Red Bull can do anything to stop it. And instead, because of what he did, for the second straight race, we have Mercedes well back in the points because both their guys finished outside of the points. Bottas, we'll get that. We'll get to him in a second. He had a terrible race. Meantime, Lewis finishes, I think, 16th. I mean, it's worst case scenario, and I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if this is just street courses or if Red Bull has actually found something and is putting some serious pressure on Mercedes. But man, this is getting interesting. Well, and the one thing I think I want to take away from this last weekend in Azerbaijan is that Lewis Hamilton and the Mercedes. Now we did again. We didn't see it with Bottas much because he was so far back in the grid, but with Lewis, again in that chasing down Sergio Perez for second again like you would see on that start finish straight they have the straight line speed it's not like Red Bull's this overpowered machine that has unbelievable straight line speed and is just running away from them because that's where he would even without DRS catch up and he would always have DRS for that second DRS straight after turn two so now returning to more conventional race tracks, not a street track, you know, that's where you hear Christian Horner and Red Bull kind of tempering this joy a little bit, saying, well, now we return to the, you know, 
more traditional tracks and we'll see how Mercedes deals with that because you look at their next visit France there are some really long straights on that track and if you have similar straight line performance between the two Baku and then France like Mercedes could exert their dominance again coming into this weekend but to your point how long has it been since we've seen any team other than Mercedes have a lead in the constructors let alone a 26 point lead now Mm -hmm. that's impressive to me and for Sergio to be the guy to ensure that victory barely albeit because as we found out all in this post-race information that's come out Sergio had a hydraulic issue he had pressure problems kind of throughout the last third of that race that he was managing and if you watch the replay back you'll notice that on the start finish straight when everybody's swerving to warm up their tires Sergio is just poker straight and I guess in interviews after the fact he mentioned that the team required him to do that because otherwise he may not have finished the race and even yet you look at him he crossed the start like crossed the finish line checkered flag makes turn one and immediately stop the car checko like, yeah stop it pit exit get out of the way yeah <laughs> so we could have seen what it would have been the ultimate crazy podium of the weekend if Sergio did DNF because I think one more lap and he was toast yep and then we would have had none of the top teams getting points which would have been crazy and Sebastian Vettel would have got a win and <laughs> Oh my goodness. It would have been Vettel, Gasly, and Leclerc, top three. Yeah. Wow. That would have been wild. Would have been insane to see. But alas, we're here. Sergio Perez has his first win in a Red Bull. I mean, I'm excited about that. I was really happy to see also Sebastian Vettel get second place, his first podium in Aston Martin. And Aston Martin's first podium as a team since returning to F1. Uh, Really good showing for him. One funny note I want to point out is that on his uh, post-race radio afterwards, he said, and to Checo, you know, Feliz Navidados or whatever it is. And for those of you, I mean, I think a lot of us know Feliz Navidad is Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> so kind of funny that, you know, Seb is trying to reach out to Checo in that way. Oh, Merry Christmas, Checo. Good job on the race win. Sort of funny. Yeah, it is kind of but, funny. But uh, yeah, the, the top three is interesting because if you look at it, you have Perez. He was dropped by Racing Point, now Aston Martin, last year. Then you have Vettel, dropped by Ferrari last year. And then you have Pierre Gasly, dropped by Red Bull last year. So all three of the drivers were involved, and, and their teams kind of were all kind of connected together, which I find really funny. And, I mean, to see Sab up there on second, I, it just it makes you feel so good, and I'm so happy to see him there. Yeah, uh, I did want to touch on with Hamilton. I was hearing a lot of people saying after the race, like, oh, here we go. This could be a title deciding race if Hamilton had a chance to get points and blew it. But let's take a second. This is race six of the season. There are 23 races, hopefully. Yes, hopefully. I, I don't think Lewis was in this race going, okay, I need to win this race to or finish second or I'm going to lose the championship. I get that. We always look back and go, oh, well, he lost X amount of points at this race. Well, you can't change that. No. So maybe it changes his perspective looking ahead, obviously, not in the lead compared to having a 
good points lead. So it changes the perspective heading into the next races. But I don't know if I'd quite call this a uh, title deciding move if, for say, Verstappen wins by five or six points. Well, no, absolutely not. Because there's a, such a long season left. You're going to have your doubleheader in Austria coming up after France. You know, which ha- offers exciting opportunities being at the same track two different weekends, um, and yeah, I think I think the only way that we might have been able to call this sort of the turning point in a championship fight is if Lewis did win this race or even finish second, and then won the championship by like five points or three points at the end of the season because I mean Pirelli is obviously investigating this tire scenario and they did say that it doesn't have anything to do really with the wear of the tire because of the fact that um, the tires that they take have taken from Lance Stroll's car for Max Verstappen and they even have taken Lewis Hamilton's tires too to and some other drivers to check the rubber on them this wasn't like it was a wear failure for Max or Lance. Yeah. So it comes down to then, was it debris? I know that Lance Stroll's accident, it's kind of hard to say, oh, was it debris? Because we hadn't had any incidents to that point. Um, and really, it just kind of looks like when he took the right-hander and... Uh, to go down that kind of through that twisty section the little s curve to come down the main straight that's when he he lost it his tire went and he ended up bending it into the wall thank god he's okay of course but again that was yeah that was a scary i was just gonna say it was a scary part of the track for that to happen too because that's just coming out of the right hander so you can see the cars coming by kind of had to slow down suddenly and kind of swerve to the right a bit and i'm like with lance's audio in the car he's kind of it, it almost sounds like he's a little bit terrified he's like get me out of here because i mean he's got cars flying past him at 200 kilometers an hour and he's bended into a wall that usually drivers would take that sec or that side of the track as they're coming out of that turn so yeah yeah that was a bit of a scary one very very high speed crash and i mean max is it's again he's going like 330 kilometers an hour so his accident didn't look quite as bad as lance's because lance was just kind of gearing up and ramping up and all of the g-force built up towards the outer left of the car really carried him into the wall and it was what made it look really terrible but my question is again you know is that Pirelli says, oh, it's not, you know, it's not a wear issue. They have come out and say it, said in some preliminary comments about this tire situation that, you know, when they test tires and they're, these tires are put under extensive testing at all kinds of tracks, they felt that this C3 compound was going to really suit Baku because the kind of really tight turns the 90 degree turns some shorter straights sort of really didn't put too much wear on the tires and especially the rear left they said like 
this track wouldn't put much pressure or force or load into that rear left tire. But my question is this. They tuned the tires and kept them soft because it is kind of a more, like it's not your top speed track in Baku for this because mm-hmm. of all those 90 degree turns in the sweeping middle sector but when you come out of that final exit of sector 2 turn 15 and 16 and make your way onto that sweeping section into the start finish straight that's when the tire wear becomes similar to that in Monza when you're taking parabolica like I know it's not a quite as a sharp turn as parabolica it's just kind of a sweeping s but did they miss something that all of a sudden when you have the tires you know at a certain operating temperature that is really good for kind of slower speed corners or really tight corners and then you go on to a start finish straight like that and you take off was there something that they missed that all of a sudden coming out of that last right hander onto the start finish straight because again you look at max's video and i mean he is going straight but there is the slight pull to the right and i when you're going that fast i know it doesn't seem like much but even just a slight change in steering puts load into the tires that maybe they didn't account for that and maybe that's why we saw the issues occur with lance and max this weekend I don't know. We'll find out, I guess, in a matter of days because they're investigating right now. So, Yeah, and F1 TV actually did a good job explaining after the race. Uh, when you're going at a higher speed, of course, as you're driving through the air, the faster you go, the more air is pushing against your car. So the faster that these cars go, that air then pushes the car down a little bit more because, of course, there's more air pushing that car. So I wonder if that was a part of this tire situation because the tires might have been a little bit lighter as they were going through most of the track and all of a sudden they're going through this high speed section more air pushing down the car a little more stress on the tires i don't know but i mean obviously we're not massive tire experts so <laughs> nope I-, I guess we'll we'll let ferrari or uh, pirelli kind of figure out what went wrong but uh yeah a bit of a peculiar situation but you know what it Again, just can't say enough how much I love this track. It's one I love on the F1 game. It produced such a great race, especially that battle between Charles Leclerc and Pierre Gasly. Oh, so great. Heading on to the last lap of the race. Like for Leclerc to get Gasly, Gasly to immediately slip into the toe of uh, Charles and get him back into turn one. Just so much excitement to see. Um, And just again like that top three podium phenomenal uh but for some people again obviously everybody who had a dnf max lance esteban Ocon had a dnf with gearbox issues uh yeah like lap one yeah like lap one and then just before the restart actually hit it when they were heading to grid from the red flag george russell also pulled into the pit lane with a dnf some sort of mechanical issue uh obviously not a good race for them but really just not a good race from uh, Valtteri Bottas's perspective. In all the post-race interviews, you hear him say, you know, 
It just, there was something about the car this weekend that just could, he couldn't figure out. Whatever that was, he just couldn't figure out what was wrong and what was happening. And uh, this is definitely one that he's just going to want to forget and move on. Yeah, he was down to 14th at one point, which is so bad for a Mercedes car because like, it's not like Lewis was struggling along with him. Lewis was able to hold up there into the top three for, I mean, all the way until the last couple laps. But, I mean, Bottas just could not do anything. Yes, he did have his race kind of sacrificed through qualifying because he was kind of the tow car for Hamilton, and he did start 10th, but it just seemed like he was just stuck there. And... Got jumped a bit on that restart after the Lance Stroll crash, and it just... I mean, he's got to step it up. Like, yes, he was great at Monaco, but he is sixth in the Drivers' Championship right now. Yep. And most years, whatever. Lewis has won five races, everything's okay. They need him this year, and right now, he's got to do something, because I, I don't think... They're going to get rid of him middle of the season. But if he doesn't do anything else and just kind of has races where he goes really up and really down, I don't know if he's going to be back there in 2022. Yeah, I don't think so either. He needs to do something to really turn it around. And it's not, I mean, yeah, he's had two DNFs to one George crashed him out. Uh, not really his fault. Um, the other one, just a simple DNF after the pit stop in Monaco. Again, I mean, Toto blames him for that, for stopping too far ahead. But, and this is kind of something that's interesting to uh, to mention, is after this race, so Sergio Perez, his pit stop, they said went a little bit longer than it maybe it should have. It seemed like they had a little bit of an issue. And in post-race interviews, Christian Horner, team principal for Red Bull, mentioned that Sergio stopped too far ahead from his marks, or missed his marks, which that's what Valtteri did in Monaco, and they machined a wheel nut. So, I don't know, there was a part of me, and again, maybe it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's like Christian Horner taking another shot at Mercedes, saying, see, we he stopped off the marks. We still got the pit stop done, and he came out in front of Lewis. <laughs> well, it's funny because if you think about it, Formula One is a 300-kilometer race, but it really does come down to the centimeters, millimeters, and they expect drivers to be absolutely precise when it comes to the pits because obviously they got their guy sitting where they think the driver's going to be stopping. And I I don't think it's fully to blame the drivers if they go... Now, if they go, like, two feet too far and launch the guy trying to prop the car up on the front, yes, you can blame the driver on that. But, like, a centimeter or two, it's so tough to nail it with tires that have probably picked up some rubber getting into the pits. and are yep. But they're still pretty hot. And you have to go from, what would it be, like, 70 to zero and hit that exact perfect location and mm -hmm. it, it's such a tough thing to master and i mean we've seen it even the some of the best in some of the best teams it's tough to do and maybe if bottas didn't have that issue at monaco 
maybe Red Bull has it today. Who knows? Yep, that's that's totally true. Um, did want to mention qualifying because that one was equally crazy because there were four <laughs> red flags for four separate crashes, including the last one where Yuki Tsunoda slammed into the wall off turn three and Carlos Sainz spins out right, bes- right behind him. And that gave Charles Leclerc his second consecutive pull, which, and, and by the way, that is one more than Valtteri Bottas. Who would have thought that Leclerc would have more poles than Bottas at one point of the season? Who would have thought that a Ferrari would have been on pole twice this year? <laughs> That's the bigger story. Yeah, in the first six races. Out of six races, one-third of the races, Ferrari has been on pole. Just crazy. And I've, saw, I've seen jokes all week, you know, with the red flags. Because, again, in Monaco, Charles Leclerc crashed. That's what caused the red flag. That's what allowed him to get pulled. In Baku, I mean, Sonoda crashed first, but Sainz was part of that and caused a red flag, left a Ferrari on top. There's all kinds of memes now this week that Ferrari has come out to sponsor the red flag, and the red flag is now brought to you by Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. I don't know. Very interesting. Very fascinating that it's the second race in a row that we've had a red flag and Q3. And you heard, with especially with the red flag in Q2, it, just how much it affected the race in a way. Because, again, Sebastian Vettel had a very awesome race. He was going to pin it, finish P4 if Max didn't crash. He didn't get a chance to do another lap in Q2 and missed out on Q3 by three hundredths of a second. If it wasn't for that red flag ending the session, he might have made it into the top 10. And, I mean, who knows where he would have gone from there. <laughs> I don't think he would have gone as well, though, because look at where he was positioned. He start, was the first guy with the fr- free choice of tires, had an extra set of soft tires, and he took that one set of tires that was left, or one of the two leftover sets of softs, took it such a long way into the race, made that pit stop, and then uh, he was the only guy in the top seven because, of course, on red flags, you can change your tires. Yep. He was the only guy in the top seven who had a fresh set of soft tires, and I think that really helped him hold off. Well, initially, it would have been him helping him keep up with uh, Perez and Hamilton, but also to hold off and pull away from Gasly. And yeah, so, I honestly, it was terribly frustrating to extremely lucky i guess maybe in terms of where it all played out with him not making it to q3 yeah either way just just very happy for seb it's it's one of those things that i guess you don't really think about it throughout a season but even just looking at the podium celebration how he took somebody's hat from backstage and put it on top of his like the pirelli podium hat that they get (laughs) <laughs> just like man i missed seeing seb on a podium and up there yeah. in the first top three positions of a race just great to see uh other performances for sure i want to mention uh, first of all fernando alonso had just an amazing two-lap sprint oh so good making making a couple passes to finish p6 I, i'm sure he's going to look to build off of that heading into france alpine's home race uh, to try to do better there. And then Yuki Sonoda 
after qualifying, it was just nice to see two AlphaTauris in Q3. And obviously we know Pierre finished third, but Yuki Tsunoda, after you know that success in Bahrain to get his very first points, rough couple of weeks, they ended up moving, moving him out to Italy so he could be closer to the factory, get a better chance to talk to engineers about the car and be kind of more about... Uh, more involved in the process associated with running an F1 team. Great P7 for him. Career best finish and just super excited for him. And then lastly, the old feisty Finn. <laughs> okay, who knows if he had his drink or not in Baku. I mean, we hope he does because that's what that's important for him. But uh, Kimi Raikkonen joining uh, his teammate Antonio Giovinazzi getting one point on the year. And it's just great to see, again, Alfa Romeo's kind of on the cusp of points week in, week out, and was just a really feisty race from him to achieve that position. Both Alfa Romeo's beat Mercedes. <laughs> and one of them was actually on pace. Yep. One other thing I want to mention as well, the radio calls this race were some of the best of the season. It was just, they were just on point. He had, speaking of Sonoda, where his engineer is telling him things and he's just like, shut up. It's like, <laughs> okay, that's fair. I'm trying to race. Let me race. And then these FIA calls that pop up on the broadcast are so fun to listen to because, first of all, we found out that Red Bull actually wanted the red flag, even though their driver was in the lead because they were worried about those tires going and exploding. Yeah. Which was interesting because, as I said, they could have just stayed safety car to the end, but instead they wanted that red flag just to get those tires off. Yeah. And then right after that one, you had McLaren calling in, and they're like, hey, listen, Sonoda was speeding at, I think it was his speeding on the red flag or something like that, and Michael Massey, the director uh, there at the track, was like, listen, everyone was speeding during the double yellow flags, so... Pretty much without saying it, saying, okay, calm down here. I could penalize all of you. I don't need to hear you going after one person. Yeah. And I, I love the I, I love hearing these team bosses and interacting with kind of the head of F or like the FIA and making their arguments and getting shut down. I love it. Yeah. Just a great addition to have that radio this year. Uh, and it's produced some good results so far i guess we'll see how it operates the rest of the season but yeah just great additions to the weekend and overall an exciting race for sure especially for the driver standings because now sergio perez is in third so yeah okay let's run through the standings right now uh verstappen and hamilton nothing changes uh verstappen's at 105 hamilton's at 101 so still four point gap which is great to see perez Climbs his way up with 69 points. Lando Norris just three points back at him with 66. Uh, Charles Leclerc's a little bit further back. He's at 52 points. Then you got Bottas in sixth with 47 points. And only five points behind him is Carlos Sainz with 42. Uh, Pierre Gasly climbs his way up to 31. Vettel jumps way up with uh, 28 points. He's only three back of Gasly. Ricardo kind of a meh race for him he has 26 points i think he finished ninth it wasn't really anything to write home about uh 
Alonzo up with up to 13 points. He surpasses his teammate, Akon, who sits at 12. Uh, Lance Stroll with 9. Yuki Sonoda with 8. And then Giovinazzi and Raikkonen, the Alfa Romeo teammates, have one point each. And then that pretty much leaves the uh, two Haases and the two uh, Williams without any points. So Something interesting to point out. When they showed the driver standings after the race, now obviously George Russell had a DNF. It probably would be a different story. But with Nicholas Latifi's 10-second time penalty to drop him even below Lewis after the race, that was for his incident of ignoring red flags. Uh, Well, not ignoring red flags, sorry. His team kind of failed him because they were saying, stay out, stay out, stay out. When you a driver hears that, that means stay out of the pit lane, do another lap. But they were meaning stay out of your pit box and just stay in the pit lane when you're coming through because the safety car let everybody through the pit lane before they continued on around the track. And that ended up causing him to have that 10-second time penalty and three penalty points as a result. Very unfortunate for him. But with Russell out and Latifi getting that penalty to drop further down the order, Mick Schumacher is above George Russell in the driver's standings right now. <laughs> wow. That's a crazy stat. Because he finished, what, 13th or something like that? I think with Latifi's penalty, it was from the back, it was Latifi, Hamilton, Mazepin, and Schumacher. Did you see the battle they had at the uh, end of the race, uh, Mazepin and Schumacher? Yeah, Mazepin just about freaking cut him off and ran him into the wall. Yeah, and, and Schumacher's on the radio at the end. He's like, what is he doing? And it's like, yeah, it's a great <laughs> question. Like, Mazepin, I think, said like his he ran out of his ERS on the front stretch, ran out of power that he could use, electric power he could use it. But it's like, why would you swerve into someone else's path other than to just try to stop them from passing you? Yeah, it's, uh, that's dangerous stuff. But, yeah. I, oh, I mean, it's over now. There, I mean, there's just rumors flying around. This is something we'll have to talk about probably when it happens. But I saw an article this week, actually, that... Mazepin may not be in a Haas all season. Not because of the fact that Haas is going to replace him as a driver, but apparently there's some sort of rule, and again, this has got to be fact-checked. We don't know if this is actually true or not. Just a murmur right now. But apparently in Russia, there's a mandatory one-year like residency with the army that young men, once they reach a certain age, have to undertake. Yeah, the article that I read said that Mazepin is wanting to race still, is in the middle of a season, but the Russian government now is coming forward to enforce this for him. So he might actually have to leave F1 to go join the army for a year in Russia before he's able to come back and continue his racing career. Yeah, so, th- so this is the article from, uh, I'm reading off of planetf1.com. Um, Mazepin's father, Dmitry Mazepin, of course, he's providing a lot of funding for Haas right now, says uh, Nikita, uh, he was telling the St. Petersburg International Economic Forum, Nikita has 23 races and they tell him that he needs to join the army. 
They told him that he had to be present at the training camp regularly. There would be no exceptions. He had to race, has a race every two weeks. How does he do it? Who do I ask this question to? And I, I think it also quoted uh, Nikita talking about it as well um, and mentioned uh, that he had been studying at the military department for two years, so there was another year ahead, and he wants to become a reserve officer. So I don't know how that plays into racing or... Again, I'm not sure as much about the Russian military hierarchy or process, but um, that'd be quite a weird way to leave F1 to join the military. Well, and yeah, just to have your your career temporarily put on hold. Um, I don't know. Is it still Emerson Fittipaldi? Or, uh, um is oh, Pietro M- Fittipaldi. Pietro, is it still Pietro Fittipaldi that's the reserve driver for them? I believe so. He's doing a bit of IndyCar right now, and I think he does a couple other series as well, but I think he's their reserve driver if uh, Mazepin had to drop out. Well, that would be fun to see. Fun to see him back in F1 if that's what happens. But we'll play play the waiting game for that. We don't have to worry about it just yet. Mazepin's safe for yeah, now. Yeah, no, nothing's been confirmed. It's not like they've list, listed him as, like, if he flies home, he's not leaving the country again or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. But moving so, on to the uh, team standings now, because Adam did the driver's standings. Again, fun fact that Schumacher's ahead of George Russell in the drivers. Kind of interesting. Um, but the team standings, Red Bull on top. As I mentioned earlier, a 26-point lead now over Mercedes, which, I mean, if Red Bulls have two DNFs in a race, not that that'll happen, and Lewis wins with the fastest lap, that's all it'll take to catch Mercedes up. Mercedes back at 148. Below them, Ferrari overtakes McLaren this weekend. They have 94 points to McLaren's 92. AlphaTauri a little ways back at 39. Aston Martin now with Seb's. P2 on the podium, has them back at 37. Alpine a little ways back at 25. And then Alfa Romeo, again with Kimi and Antonio, both having one point. Both have two. Woo! Woo! But now we wait a couple weeks, and uh, F1 will return again, as I said, for the French Grand Prix on not this coming weekend, but the following weekend. Yeah, Father's Day weekend, so... Mm-hmm. Why not uh, enjoy the race with your dad by watching what's normally a pretty boring F1 race? <laughs> Best way to spend Father's Day. Let's watch a boring F1 race for three hours. <laughs> exactly. Uh, one other piece of news to mention. Uh, since we did our last podcast, they announced the Singapore GP. Singapore GP has been canceled because of COVID travel issues, which sucks because I love the streets. Uh, the night race, it's kind of like the endurance race of F1 because... It's super hot, and it's a long race. You're in a street track where there's a lot of lefts and rights, and it's usually a pretty exhausting race to the drivers. So I guess they get a little bit of a fitness break. But uh, that kind of leaves a little bit of a gap in these schedules. So it sounds like the most likely situation could be Japan and then back to the U.S. for two races at Coda, which with them having two races in the States next year with the Miami Grand Prix, 
seems like a pretty good fit to have two races in the States this year too, if, if it's needed to be that way. Yep. That would be awesome. And circuit of the Americas, again, it's, it's a fun, fun race to watch from a F1 perspective. So to have another weekend where there's two straight races weekend to weekend at one track, so much fun, so much fun. And who knows, maybe you'll get one race where it's something involving tire wear. The next race, there's rain midway through. Who knows? There could there could be two different weather systems. Or, I mean, who knows? Maybe that could be a title decider. Because, say, Mercedes finds the right setup. They win two races there. Lewis wins the championship that way. I mean, that could be a... And that that's late in the season, too. So that could play a huge role in who wins the championship. Yeah, Absolutely. If one one person is able to get dialed in at the track and the other person's not, big time difference for sure. But somebody who has been dialed in and now has your back to back wins, Mr. Kyle Larson. Yeah, he is the man to beat right now in NASCAR. They're uh, at a road course in Sonoma. Uh, a very interesting race because. There was enough cautions where a lot of guys were making pit stops because you could take the tires all the way to the ends of the stages, but there were cautions in between. So some guys would come into pit before, some guys would come into pit before the pits closed before the end of the stage so they could stay out and gain track position. And so you, you kept seeing Larson kind of fall back, fall back, fall back, and he would just keep climbing his way through the field every time. And in the end, he just pulled ahead and... Rolled on to his third straight, or his third win of the year, as you said, his second straight, and Hendrick Motorsports' fourth straight win. And, yeah, his teammate was really the only other guy who had a chance, but, I mean, Chase Elliott didn't really have a lot to put up against Larson. Martin Truex Jr. had a couple shots, but early on, but he kind of fell through, or fell back as the race went on. But, yeah, pretty dominant win for Kyle Larson. And just good momentum for Hendrick, too, because especially now heading into the All-Star, well, sort of break, I guess if you want to call it. It's not a break, but with the All-Star race at Texas Motor Speedway coming up now, you know, it's kind of a race that we had talked about the format earlier. It's just a throwaway weekend, sort of. You go to have fun, but they'll really be focusing on what's after All-Star the all-star race and this is just a great way like i said that for hendrick good momentum for hendrick kind of heading through this part of the season yep right now they are definitely the team to beat and i mean things change it looked early in the year like maybe penske or gibbs could take some something in terms of uh take the title over but i mean right now it just looks like all four hendrick motorsports cars are dialed in i mean bowman's had some good races uh, William Byron has had a win. He's looked all right at some times. But, yeah, they're kind of the favorites heading into this. Maybe not second half of the season. We're getting close to the second half because there's about 10 races before we get to the actual playoffs. But, yeah, they're looking like they're the favorites right now. Um, but as you're saying, this next weekend is the all-star race. This is how it essentially works in NASCAR. That all-star race, it's all or nothing. You finish first, you get a million bucks. You finish second, you get zero. So it's all about who finishes first. And with Texas, it's not very much of a passing opportunity. I was hearing that kind of the reason they chose it was because they took it away to put Coda on the NASCAR circuit. So 
because it usually has two races in a year, so this is kind of their, oh, well, we took away your points race, but here's an all-star race. <laughs> it, there's not usually a lot of passing in Texas, so they've got a lot of cautions to kind of catch people up in the field. Um, if you're ready, Mitch, I will run you once again through this crazy format for the all-star races here. <laughs> through the marathon that it is. And I'll, okay, uh, try yeah, get, get, get your notepads, everybody. I'll, I'll try not to get confused along the way, but uh, go ahead. Okay, I'm going to try to tell you this as simply as I possibly can because it's a little bit confusing. Starting lineup, simply a random order. They'll just shuffle everybody's name in and they'll figure out one through, I think, 20. Round one, the first round is a 15-lap race. Once they finish, figure out the final order of the, that 15-lap race, they'll invert the field from 8th to 12th back based on a random draw. So that means anywhere between 8th or 12th becomes 20th. 20th jumps into either 8th to 12th, depending on which number is chosen out of the hat. And then it kind of goes like that. So let's say 8th is chosen out of the random draw. So 8th becomes 20th, 20th becomes 8th. 19th becomes 9th, 9th becomes 19th, etc, etc, etc. So that's how we set up the field for round 2. 1 through 7 would stay the same. Round 2, a 15 lap race. Once we finish that 15 lap race, they invert the entire field. So 1 through 20, or 1 and 20 switch, 2 and 19 switch, 3 and 18 switch, etc, etc. So there's that. Then we get to round three, another 15 lap race. And once we're done that one, we do the same thing as we did at the end of round one. So we go between eighth and 12th, they'll draw a number. Let's say it's 10th, 10th and 20th flip, 11th and 19th flip, etc., etc. That's how we set up round four. You still with me? I got it so far, I think. Okay. We're 45 good. laps in, so. Yeah, we, we still got a lot more laps to go. Okay, round four. Another 15-lap segment. Now, once they finish round four, they're going to take everyone's results from the first four rounds, average them out, and set up the field order that way. So let's say you finish first, or first, tenth, first, and tenth. You'd be fifth or sixth, or 5.1 average or something like that. And that's, and they just kind of look at that and figure out who was the furthest or furthest ahead finishing driver in the majority of those rounds, and they'll set the field that way. That's all the weird inversion stuff. Now we go to round five. We're going to double up the laps to 30 laps. That includes a mandatory four-tire pit stop. And the pit crews will be paying special attention to this because the fastest pit crew that set of mandatory pit stops will win 100k nice so there's some money on the line for those pit stops nice and then the final results of round five will set the grid for round six they'll line them up in the same order and then it's a 10 lap shootout and the winner gets one million dollars and my head hurts <laughs> deep breaths adam deep breaths you're gonna you can breathe now the explanation's over Oh, I feel so bad for the broadcasters at Fox because they're going to have such a hard time describing this to an audience that's, let's be honest, a lot of people are going to watch this thing and be like, I don't know what's going on. They're going to join in in like round three and see somebody win and then be like, 
Okay, he won. Wait, there's there's more? <laughs> what do you mean there's more? I can't wait for the people to tune in after round two, and it's like, hey, he won, this, he won the uh, that round. That's awesome. Why is he last? <laughs> yeah, there will be lots of explaining from the guys at uh, Fox for sure. I'm very interested to see how they're going to be able to explain it because I don't know. I, I'm just trying to think of some kind of graphics setup. I To be able to show it in real time, it's going to be quite difficult, and I wish them the best of luck. Mm-hmm. Me too. Best of luck. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's take a look at CanCon right now, our Canadian content section. Uh, F1 couple of Canadians in the field, as you'd mentioned earlier, with uh, Lance Stroll. He had his tire go during the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Uh, he was starting last. He had a good 30-lap stint, holding on to P5. Still had to make a pit stop while everyone else had finished, but it looked like he had a chance of maybe collecting a couple of points. So, unfortunate for him. Meantime, Latifi, as we'd mentioned, um, Verstappen had the crash, and Latifi was told stay out stay out stay out stay out he stayed out they meant stay out of the pits or like the end of like his pit area um so he stayed out on the track instead of staying out through the pit lane so ended up getting a 10 second stop and go penalty and penalty points which seems a little bit excessive but i guess fair considering they were taking verstappen's car out of the wall and yeah that was kind of the f1 look there and then one other canadian dimension who was racing this weekend xfinity series it was a great race for alex LeBay. he was he had a good starting spot ended up collecting points at the end of the first two stages which means he was in the top 10 both stages i think he was sixth after stage two and they even gave him a little bit of a spotlight um then with about i think it was about five or six laps to go he got taken out which sucked he was sitting about fifth or sixth but then caution comes out he rallied through the field and finished 11th so great finish for him mm-hmm. unfortunate he couldn't have gone any further up just because i mean watching the replay he he got taken out and it oh, it's so frustrating yep. but uh no good performance for him so uh, i'd have to say maybe the top performing canadian of the weekend i'd say so yep yeah, so that's kind of your look at uh, the Canadians on track. A couple more coming up this uh, upcoming weekend. So, Yeah, they're at Texas also this weekend, the Xfinity Series. They have a regular points race uh, coming up. Of course, NASCAR for the All-Star Race also in Texas. Uh, F1 is going to be back, as we said, in a couple weeks. Again, it's it, we were spoiled last year having F1 races every weekend, but alas, we wait 14 days. <laughs> for or however many days from race to race uh they're going to be in france at the circuit paul ricard special note there again roman grosjean will have an opportunity to race in a championship winning mercedes there well the maybe race. not this maybe not a championship winning this year well not this car but he's racing <laughs> in the 2019 mercedes so ah. the that that car did win a championship so he will get the taste of what it was like um, especially because, again, he was racing that season and was so far back in the field, he likely didn't even have a chance to witness what kind of pace they had. Oh, he did when they were passing him, when he was going a lap down and had to pull over for him. <laughs> yeah, not an IndyCar, but now IndyCar has its first race since Helio's Indy 500 win, 
and it's twice as nice. This is the duel in Detroit. Uh, races both on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Indy Lights will join them in Detroit for a couple races. Well, the Indy Pro 2000 and USF 2000 are off until next week's race at the Road America. And that's your look ahead. Yeah, and I just want to mention with the duel in Detroit, my favorite highlight from that it has nothing to do with any of the races. Uh, before the race started a few years ago, they gave, I don't know if it was a fan or if it was like the sponsor of the race, uh, a lap around in the pace car. The guy came out of the pits, cranked the gas, and just spun out and slammed into the wall <laughs> and pretty much totaled this like nice Chevy Corvette. And it was like, oh no. Oh boy. Oh no. <laughs> you what had, have you done? You had one job and you throttled <laughs> it into the wall. <laughs> and it was just so awkward because the broadcast comes out and they're like, well, the race has been delayed because the pace car has crashed. <laughs> oh, man. You know, you see you, yeah. you see people bump draft the pace car, and sometimes that ends up in tragedy. But, uh, well, not tragedy, but sometimes it can end up in the pace car spinning out or whatever. But that's hilarious. For the guy who's guest driving the safety car, or your pace car, I guess, in NASCAR... Just spin it out. An indie car, yeah. Yeah, an indie car. Just hilarious. So, yeah. So if you get a chance, just Google Detroit indie car pace car crash, and you'll find it. It is a great highlight. But that's all from us for this episode. As always, we are on Facebook. We are on Twitter at the A Racing Pod is our Twitter handle, and you can also email us at. The A Racing Podcast at gmail.com. That is the EH Racing Podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, make sure to like and subscribe on whatever you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever buttons you need to hit, please hit them. Leave a comment, let us think, because uh, we definitely love hearing your comments and. Yeah, we look forward to talking with you guys. Uh, I guess a preview of the French Grand Prix and looking back at what happened in this weekend in North American racing. All right. Other than that, we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>